to see you all this morning. I, uh, I got an awesome post on my Facebook page this week. Carol, are you in here this morning? You're right there. Carol was kind enough to point out to me that Donut Man is now serving their world-famous strawberry donuts. And I'm like, you're not really helping me here. Our, what's that? They're out till Monday? Because <sighs> we, didn't, we didn't go earlier in the week because we thought, well, wait till Sunday. Oh, you got, you got the last one? Oh, okay. I see how it is. I see how it is. Wow. Strawberry donuts. I'm a, I, I've mentioned I'm originally from South Africa, and so I used to say strawberry, uh, but I've, I've since lost the accent a little bit. It'll come out every now and again. But uh, wow. Donut, man. Good stuff. It's good to be here. So it's Sunday. But not just any Sunday, right? Um, it, you, it's, you can't not go here, right? You can't not go here. It is Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and, and I know there are some that are more excited than others. How many of you, you're like, you know what? I don't even care. My team is out long time ago. Like any Eagles fans? Oh, yeah. Anyone just not care at all? You're like, you know what? Football, whatever. <laughs> Okay, you can all leave. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually not a huge sports fan, but I do like football. I, I, and uh, I won't tell you what team I'm rooting for because my team actually didn't make it. I'm a, a Giants fan. Uh, and so for those of us who, who are weeping that, well, it just it is what it is, right? Seahawks, wow. Patriots, it's all good. Jesus loves us all. Hey, I want to, I want to, before we jump into the message this morning, want to touch base on something, uh, about something we, we talked about last week. Um, the Solid Life Journal. At the end of my message last week, we went over this a little bit, talked about the reading plan that's in there, talked about actually doing a journal, what, what doing a journal entry is. I won't go over all of that again this morning, but, um, I did want to mention this. This is not the only place where you can find that reading plan, and you don't have to buy a, one of these journals uh, if you don't want to. That's, that's totally up to you. I know we did run out last Sunday, and we actually have a whole bunch more this morning. So if you'd like one of these, they're $5. It has the reading plan. It has journaling pages. Uh, it has a place for you to, to record uh, prayer requests and praise reports and testimonies and all of that. Um, so we do have these in the back, but... Uh, we actually have a slide this morning. We can pop that up with uh, a few of the different ways. I actually do a lot of my journal reading, and I, I track my reading on a, in a Bible app called YouVersion. And uh, anyone here using YouVersion? All right, so a whole bunch of you. We can get that slide up with the... Uh, there's a slide. I have the four different ways that you can find the Bible reading plan. So download the app. It's available for... Uh, for a uh, iPhones or Apple phones and for Androids, um, Andrew, it's, it's available. You can get it. Um, you, and you just search for the Solid Life uh, reading plan, and you can pull it up. It'll, it'll, each day it will tell you what the, the verses are that you're reading, uh, that, that you should be reading. Or we not have that slide? Is it, it's, it's the third slide in the sermon set. We, could we? Okay, 
So there we go. So you can either do it out of the Solid Life uh, journal. There's a plan in there. We also have at the back of the, at the, the room at the connection table, we have one of these. This is the entire year's reading plan that you can just pick it up, slide in your Bible. Then you can use whichever journal you want. doesn't matter. You can, uh, some people actually like to, to do their journaling like on an iPad. Uh, some people, you know, it's still got to be the paper and the pen. But that's another way you can connect with that. Um, the Sunday Bulletin, you'll see that the, the reading for the next week is included in the bulletin. So there's just lots of different ways that you can connect with the reading. Again, one of the, the powerful things about entire church doing the same reading plan is that, is that those passages then become a part of our conversation. And so what God is speaking to you out of the reading uh, you might connect with someone during the week and go, hey, did you read that passage or did you read that in the, the reading this week? Oh, yeah, that, you know, this is what stood out to me. And then you can have a conversation and realize, man, there's some, some depth and layering that happens there in the Word of God. And it's just a really powerful thing. So I encourage you to do that. The app, again, is just a great and easy way to engage with, uh, with that plan. All right, so here we go. Week three of More Than a Story. Um, started out three weeks ago, uh, introduced this, this idea that um, your testimony is more than just a story. It's not just the story of your life. We talked about the fact that stories do, they, 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 they teach us, they encourage us, uh, stories will, will uh, motivate us, they can be compelling. Um, there's all kinds of things that a story will do. And so um, they, they'll... Uh, engage us in different ways. Good stories, we all love a good story, right? We, uh, we got to watch uh, Star Wars the other night, and we'd, we're huge Star Wars fans in our house, and we love all of the episodes. For those of you who are like, no, it's got to be the originals, we like them all. But, but that's good storytelling, because it engages you, and you realize, wow, there's a lot of things going on here. Um, I mentioned in the, in the first week, that there's different opening lines to stories. Once upon a time, or it was a dark and stormy night, or uh, you know, in a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit. All of these famous opening lines. But that the greatest opening line of all time was, in the beginning, God. Greatest opening line. Why? Because it's the opening line for your story and for my story. It's the story, it's the, the place where we all find the beginning in our lives. We talked about uh, meta narrative, the idea that there is a large overarching story that's going on and that our lives are a part of that. I'll tell you why, again, why this is so important for us to, to comprehend is that in the, in the world that we live in, in, an, in a society that's focused on self, meta narrative doesn't matter. The big story doesn't matter. See, because in, when it's about self, it's just about me. It's my story. And, you know, there is no greater meaning. There is no greater purpose. It's just my life. I have however many years I have to, to do, you know, make whatever difference I make. But I'm not really a part of anything larger. Where in the kingdom of God, it's exactly the opposite. That God declares over you, I have a plan for your life, I have a purpose for your life, that I'm doing amazing things in your life, and that your life fits into the grand story, into the grand narrative of what God is doing. And that's why, in the beginning, God is the beginning of our story. And we fit seamlessly, we fit seamlessly into His story. Our lives 
don't stand out as being weird or odd or different or irrelevant to God. I don't know why I feel like there's, there's someone who needs to hear this this morning, just the specific thing, that you've come to believe that your life is irrelevant, that you don't matter. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. It is a lie from the pit of hell because God declares over you, before I, knew, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I had a plan for your life. Your life is not irrelevant. It is absolutely relevant. It is absolutely meaningful. It has purpose. It has value. John 10.10 says that Satan has come to steal and kill and destroy. He wants to rob those things from us, but God says, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, and not just life that you just kind of eke out, but a life to the fullest, life abundant why? Because it's just you on your own journey? No, because you're a part of something bigger. And that God has, has an incredible destiny for you. Last week I talked about the fact that your story isn't about you. Your story isn't about you. Your story is actually about Jesus. Your story always needs to point back to who Jesus Christ is and what he's done in your life, what he's doing through you, And I talked about the fact that this brings an understanding in two ways. I talked last week about it gives us a lens for reading the Bible. When we read the Bible with, with the understanding, with the knowledge that our story fits into the larger story and that it's all about Jesus, we start reading the Bible differently. I can read the Old Testament not as just a, a bunch of or a collection of old stories or compilation of stories about people you know that just lived along. It's not just history. Now it becomes alive, as Hebrews says, and I start seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. I start seeing the touch of God in all of these places, and it starts speaking to me. It'll start speaking to you. I I know that as I've I've gotten older. Um, when I was young, I was all about the worship, all about just, man, worship, worship, worship. And I still love worship. Don't get me wrong. I love worship. But I've also really come to appreciate more and more and more sound teaching. And as I've read further into Scripture, as I've studied more, I've fallen in love with the Old Testament. I've fallen in love with seeing Jesus in the Old Testament because it all points towards God has a plan. And it gives me hope. And so it gives us this lens for reading a Bible where we understand, they're reading the Bible that it's not just a story, but that these stories in Scripture, the things contained in these pages, actually connect to my life. I'm not reading about someone else's story. I'm reading, about a, I'm reading a story that my life is included in. So it changes the way I think about it. My second point that I made last week was that an understanding of the fact that Jesus is the point of your story, actually what it does for us is it equips us to accurately and appropriately share our God story. And that's what we're going to focus on today, sharing our testimony, telling the story of what God is doing in our lives. Now, for some of you, you might be like, well, this seems kind of elementary. This is kind of basic stuff, Pastor Barry. But I think it's important for us as a church to be on the same page when it comes to how we share what God is doing in our lives. Because sometimes I think we get it a little bit wrong. 
And I, I want to give, these are, these are just my thoughts. These are the things that God has taught me and some things I'd love to share. There's probably a bunch of other points that need to be included in, it, in this. But this is just what God has been speaking to me about testimony and how to share testimony. Um, accurately and appropriately, I think, are important words. Two reasons. Accurately, um, sometimes we share things that, that aren't... Um, reflective of the heart of God, that we're not doing a good job of representing who he is. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, actually. That's one of my points, but well, well, it's a little seed. I'm just planting a seed here. And, and appropriately, I think there's ways, and you know, Jesus, there were people that he healed, and he healed, you know, heals, heals one guy, and he says, hey, go tell people what I did. And then he heals another guy, and he says, listen, I don't want you to say anything. Just be quiet. Why? Because there's times where it's appropriate to share, and there's times where we just need to stop talking and start listening. And so we have to be able to gauge what those things are. I want to start in Joshua chapter 4 this morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 4, we're going to start again looking at the, the Israelites and an experience they had as they were crossing into the promised land. So we're going to read verse 1 through 7, Joshua chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right, from right where the priest stood, to carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So, So the picture here is, the children of Israel are crossing the Jordan River, which at this season is in the flood stage. The, is the, the, the priests have stepped into the water, and the water backed up. The Jordan River was stopped, and they crossed on dry land. And so God's speaking to Joshua and saying, Before I let the water come back, send one representative from each tribe back into the, the riverbed and pick up 12 stones from in the middle of the river, not from the shore, but from in the middle of the river and bring them with you to the place that you stay tonight. So there's a little context of, of what's happening here in Joshua chapter 4. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. God didn't want them to forget. He was giving them a tool that they needed to remember his faithfulness so that when children would see the stones... They would go, hey, Dad, why, why are these stones piled up here? This is, not, you know, this is not a natural thing. Someone did this. Why is this this way? Well, let me tell you the story of what God did when he brought us into the promised land. And so stones of remembrance and these memorials became a regular part of what the Israelites did and God's instruction to them so that they would not forget. A few years ago... 
fact, uh, almost 10 years ago now, we were in Washington, D.C., Megan and I were, for our international convention. And so we took a day, of course, and we, we went through a lot of the Smithsonian and, and uh, toured the sites. But for me, uh, the most impactful place, two places actually, were the Vietnam War Memorial and the, the World War I and World War II memorials. Seeing the names of people who gave their lives, sacrificed their lives for our freedom. It's moving. It is powerful. It is hallowed ground. It is a sacred place. Not because of the marble, but because of the memory. Because of what it does to us when we see those things. In that same way, God says, set up memorials. Set up things in your life that you can look back to and go, God has been faithful there. 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 Why do we need to be reminded so often? Because the enemy is coming right behind going, God's not faithful. God's not faithful. God's forgotten about you. God doesn't care. Man, he's come, before, be, come through before, but not this time. This is too big. This is too bad. You've messed up too much. There's no way. You can look back at the memorial stones in your life and go, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. It does something in you, but then you can tell other people, Look at my life. Look what God has done. God is faithful. God is faithful. I'm I'm not guessing at this. I'm telling you from a place of experience that God is faithful. And you can't argue with that. I don't care if you're the the, the strongest atheist on the face of the planet. You're not going to convince me that God isn't faithful because I have seen him be faithful in my life. I could stand here for hours and tell you the things that God has done to save my life, to provide, to come through in difficult times. Because God is faithful. We need reminders. In the Old Testament, the Israelites wouldn't just share their own stories. They shared the stories of their people. It wasn't just about their own testimony. You know that the Israelites are a people, still the Jewish people are a nation. They are one nation. They're unlike any other people on the face of the planet. That they rally around each other and care for each other in a way that that I think outside of Israel and outside of that culture that we don't fully comprehend. But there are people who have seen the faithfulness of God. They've seen God. And so the stories are more than just my story. It now becomes our story. It's a story that we share together. We're empowered to share the story of what God has done in each other's lives that we can point back for generations and say, look what God has done. Look at the memorials. Look at the things that he has. This right here in Scripture is a memorial for us. It is a way for us to go back and celebrate what God has done. We have to remember that our story fits, that your story and my story fits perfectly into the meta-narrative, into the God story. It fits perfectly exactly where God intended it to. The, The fact that we are sitting in this room on this day in this place is not just because you happen to be here. 
You're here because God has ordained that you would be in this place on this day at this time with the people that you're sitting with. For such a time as this, as, as Mordecai says to Esther, for such a time as this, that God knows what he's doing, he knows who he is, and his plans don't change. So I, have, I actually have uh, six points that I want to make this morning. I don't usually have six points, but I think if you want to take notes, take notes, write, jot these down. And these are just simply six pointers. You're looking at your watch, Andrew. Um, we're going to go right up until 3.15. No, we're not. Well, now that I know there's no strawberry donuts, we have a little more time to work with. So, Here's just six of my thoughts that I believe will help us in telling our story a little bit better. So here we go. Number one is this. You have to know your story. You have to know your story. It seems a little simplistic, doesn't it? Well, you have to know your story. No, I, I don't mean just have memories. And, and quite honestly, I mean, there's so much stuff I've forgotten. There's so much stuff that if I try, there's no way I could recall. So you have to know your story and not just know the, 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 uh, that something happened in your life. You have to own it. You have to make it a part of who you are. I'll, I'll give you this example. It's like studying for a test. I can know material, but it's really when I've internalized it that I can recall it well in the moment when I need it. And so thinking back through your life, across your testimony, thinking about what God has done, even writing it down is helpful because it'll start imprinting those things on your heart. It'll start bringing to remembrance the things that God has done. There are things that I shared last week. I was going back through an old journal uh, that I wrote in, I think, three years ago. There was a word that was given to me that, that talking about the future and what God was preparing us for. And then I realized when I read this just last week that that word wasn't for the season we were about to go into. That word was for this season. And all of a sudden it made sense. But you have to go back and examine what has happened in my life. And that means looking at the victories and the wins and also examining the low places. Because God works in both, amen? He meets us in both of those places. You have to know your story. What are the high points? What are the low points? What are the monuments? What are the things in my life that I can definitively point to and say, that is a moment in time when God moved in my life? And just like the Israelites had to go and set a stone on top of another stone, God didn't just say to them, hey, Take note of this, mental note, what happened in this place. He actually wanted them to do something physical. They actually had to move something to do it. I'd encourage you, write those things down. Write down where God has been faithful in your life and the things that he has done. So that's number one is know your story. I, I, I think we have them on the slides back there. Can we get them up on the screen? Second one is this. When you're sharing your story, when you're talking about what God has done, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. And I use the word allow intentionally because sometimes we get in the way, right? Anyone? 
you get in the way, you walk away from a conversation and you're like, okay, I had, there was an opportunity there and I got in the way of something amazing happening. That's hard. But as we mature and as we grow in the Lord, as we attune ourselves and align ourselves with his Holy Spirit, that in those moments that we're getting to share about what God has done, that the Holy Spirit will prompt us to say, talk about this, talk about that, share about this thing in your life. Or sometimes he'll just go, be still and don't say anything. And so that our story, because it's not our story, it's Jesus' story, we have to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit in what he's telling us. Which means that I can't just have it like, as a, 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 like on cue cards or memorized, right? I think we've all, all encountered people who have their, their testimony memorized. And, and when you're like, hey, tell me about your... And they kind of like get that glossed over look and they just start going, okay, well, this happened, this happened. And they just kind of run right through it. And you're like, whoa, okay, it's great. But it's missing something. It's missing that, that personal, it's missing that, that, that spirit-empowered moment where you're like, okay, you're connecting. Or you hear something like, well, that, that sounds really interesting, but they've already moved right past it. They're like, man, I'm on to the next bullet point. I'm into the next moment. Then we have to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and say, God, help me to tell my story well. Help me to know when those moments are, like when Jesus said, go tell people or, hey, you need to just wait and keep this to yourself. I think sometimes we speak out loud and say things to people and share parts of who, what's, what's happened in our lives, thinking that, that it's for them. And what God is actually doing is saying, I'm just prompting you on how to pray for them. I've encountered so many people in my life and in my ministry who something will pop into my head and I'm about to say it and the Lord says, they're not ready to hear what's in your head, what I've dropped in your heart. What I'm doing is giving you direction on how to pray for them because they're in a similar place. Guys, we can't do that if we're not following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to take a step back. I'm a talkative guy. I love chatting. I will talk to the middle of the night. Um, I just am. And so this has been a hard one for me to learn. It's been a hard one for me to learn. There's a story of a lady who met Winston Churchill, who was the prime minister of England, and uh, uh, Richard Chamberlain, who was the the, the, uh, prime minister who preceded Winston Churchill. And she got to meet both of these men, and someone had asked her, well, what is it like meeting Richard Chamberlain? And he's, she said to this person, she said, well, when I met him, I walked away from that meeting thinking he was the most incredible person in the world. And I said, well, what was it like meeting Winston Churchill? She said, I walked away from that meeting thinking I was the most important person in the world. Strikes a chord, doesn't it? That how well we listen to people and how well we listen to the Holy Spirit is as we want to share and encourage is important. It's important for us to take a step back. I've had to learn to wait and then speak or not speak at all. We have to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Next thing would be this. Keep it simple and brief. Keep it simple and brief. 
Remember I shared about like the slideshow, you go to someone's house and they pull out the slideshow projector and they want to show you, you know, and in like an hour into it, you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm so done. And uh, when we share our testimony, we don't want to get in the way by going so long that someone eventually is like, okay, I'm, I'm just done. I can't hear a single word you're saying anymore. Would you please just shut up? <laughs> Or it starts, here's the other thing, if we keep talking and talking and talking, it stops being a testimony, and it starts becoming bragging. And it becomes about us. So keeping it simple and keeping it brief, not just for the sake of brevity, but this ties right back into what the Holy Spirit would speak. What is needed in this moment? See, my God story isn't my testimony, and that's why I like my God story more than my testimony, because testimony implies my whole story. When, when uh, we were approached and asked to, to pray about being the pastors of this church, one of the things we had to do was, was we had to put a, a sheet together that had our values and uh, t- talked about our family values, talked about uh, my, my philosophy on the church, talked about my philosophy of the, the uh a New Testament, especially with the, in regards to the Great Commission, um, it had to include a couple, uh, kind of like a resume a little bit on it, and it had to have my testimony, and it had to fit on the front of one page. And I was like, Kelly, you're crazy. And, and the hardest part for me, Megan can attest to this, was my testimony part, because it was like way more than a page, and I had kept having to go through and just... Pare it down, pare it down, pare it down. Cut stuff out, pare it down. And it was hard because it's your life and stuff matters to you. And you're like, no, they need to know about this. Cut stuff down, cut stuff. I ended up using very small font, but, but we, made it, we, we made it fit, right? Carol, Carol yeah, you guys, <laughs> Tom Reddy, I'm like, small. Yeah, it was small font, but man, it had to cut it down. Why? Because you know what? People don't need the entire story at one time. It's the drink out of the fire hose. My God story is still being written. And so there might be something that you need to hear about what God's done in my life today or yesterday. And then you might need to hear about something that God did 20 years ago. But, you know, I think we've been kind of conditioned in the church that sharing your testimony has to start with the moment you got saved. And that's not inappropriate, but it's not always appropriate. Just simply speak to the thing that the Holy Spirit is prompting in the moment. I want to I insert here real quick. This, this conversation for the church is critical because the church has lost its voice in the world. The church has lost its voice in the world. We are mute out there. We come into this place and, oh, God is good. God is high five. And we go out there, and people would never, ever, ever know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And guys, that's a problem. We were at Life Pacific this week for the open session. They had a, a that's right, represent, um, for open session. And a guy named Richard Goosen, who's a, a leader in the business world, talked about business and mission. It was a, an incredible, incredible talk that he gave. But he shares about how he went to dinner with these two multi-multi-multi-billionaire businessman in New York. He was sharing at a business conference. They said, hey, let's go out to dinner. He's sitting at the table, and, they, and he starts talking about his faith. And they go, well, they stopped him and said, you're a Christian? And he said, well, yeah. And they said, we've never met a Christian. 
What do Christians talk about? What does it mean? Like, what does that mean to be a Christian? These are two educated, successful people at the top of their game. But the idea of following Jesus Christ, had, it didn't even factor for them. They were intrigued. And he got to share with them about his story and how he walks with Jesus. Church, we've lost our voice in the world, and I believe a big part of it is that we've not shared our stories appropriately and that people have been scared off. And we've got labeled as those whack jobs, those wackos who are like, what is wrong with you? And that there is a way that we get to share and connect with people that will bring life. Jesus at the well, and a woman walks up, and he doesn't just look at her and go, you sinner. You're, you've been divorced seven times, and the man that you're living with isn't even your husband. Do you know who I am? Right? Yet sometimes that is the posture that we take as believers in the world. Now wonder they're like, yeah, you're crazy. Get me out of here. But Jesus builds relationship, and then he starts sharing with her. And notice he doesn't just tell her about himself. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. He's a great guy. You need to know him. He, he starts asking her questions about who she is and then waits for the opportunity to talk about who he is. Maybe we should follow Jesus' lead a little bit here. That, God, that there are people who are dying to hear what we have to say. I think sometimes the delivery is just a little off. All right, let's get back into the notes here. Keep it simple, keep it simple, and keep it brief. Don't say more than you need to say. Just say what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart. Number four is this. Be sensitive about what you share and who you share it with. Be sensitive about what you share and who you share it with. We all recognize there's parts of our testimony and our story um, that are difficult, there's parts of our stories, and I'm guessing in a room with this many people, and a few of you have got to hear some of your testimonies in my own life. There's parts of my story and my testimony that I wouldn't share on a Sunday morning because it wouldn't be appropriate. It wouldn't be appropriate. Now, when I'm sitting one-on-one with a guy over a cup of coffee and we've built relationship, and the Holy Spirit starts saying, hey, so share that part of, of your story. Okay. That's appropriate. We have to make sure that what we share and who we share it with is appropriate, that we're sensitive to that. And I believe this is one of the ways that the enemy is coming against the church. And I'm just going to speak right to this. I ruffle feathers right on. Women and men who are not married sharing their testimonies with each other, by and large, is not appropriate. It's just not. We've not crossed any lines. No. There are soul ties that are established. And God says that's not right. I would even go so far as to say single men and women, it's not appropriate. It's not appropriate. You're playing with fire. It's dangerous. It is a dangerous place to mess, to fiddle, to play around. For those who are married, 
never, ever, ever. God says it's not appropriate for you to share those things. That there are things that, now when I'm with my wife, I can, I can stand with Megan and there's things that we can talk about together with a gal. Now, now it's, it's appropriate. There are situations, and I know I've been, way back, way back, I was youth pastoring. I was a junior high youth pastor. I was young, was excited, and there's a, a mom, single mom of one of the kids in the, in the youth group. And, man, every Wednesday she was there talking to me. And I'm like, man, you know, she's just she's wanting input on her son. And Megan pulls me aside one day, and she goes, no, you are not allowed to talk to her by yourself. I was like, what? I'm the pastor. She's like, no. And now looking back, I'm like, there is wisdom in that because soul ties and spiritual ties are established. When we tell our story, it's not benign. It's active and it's alive and it's making an impact in people's lives. And we have to steward that well. And so we have to be careful about what we share. We also need to make sure that when we share our story, that we're not throwing someone else under the bus. It's not okay with the Lord for us to tear other people down for the sake of our testimony. Well, you know, when brother so-and-so did that, well, it was just an opportunity for me to grow in the Lord. And God's just going, no, 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 no. No, because if in those situations, more often than not, you were the problem, not him anyway, right? What's appropriate? What we share and who we share it with. Church, we have to guard these things because your testimony can go from here being powerful to being undermined and being the thing that undoes you. Guard it. Guard it. Protect it. Be wise. Walk in wisdom when it comes. Age appropriate. Age appropriate. I have teenage boys. I have, I have younger kids. And I've heard, I've heard people sharing stuff with my kids thinking, hey, I'm going to tell them this testimony. I'm like, jump in and like, no, you don't get to tell them that story because we haven't had that conversation. So you don't have that right and you don't have that place. Can I get an amen? But the onus is on us. The responsibility lies on us to make sure that what we're doing, what we're saying is appropriate. Not just because of people, because God is looking and saying, this is a part of my plan for your life, and you don't mess it up. Stay in line with what I'm prompting you with by my Holy Spirit. All right. Number five is this. Ask yourself, am I making myself sound better or worse than I should? Am I making myself sound better or worse than I should? You read Paul's life, and he was just like, the further along he got, he's like, don't even, no, it's not. I am the chief sinner. I am not, no. No, no, it's all about Jesus. And I have encountered far too many Christians where their testimony is 45 minutes long and Jesus gets a minute at the end. Right? Ask yourself as you're speaking and 
And you can be asking this in the back of your head as you're talking to someone, how is this making me look? And is there an air of arrogance and pride that's starting to seep in here? On the, on the side of, or worse, it's called false humility. False humility. And God says, I don't, I don't like either one. I don't like pride. I don't like false humility. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Because it leads me to the, the last point is this. Ask yourself, does my testimony point people to Jesus? Does my testimony point people to Jesus? Is what God is doing, the story of my life, is it pointing people to Jesus? If it's not, stop talking. Just stop. Because it has to, at the end of the day, people need to find Jesus. They need to find Jesus. You're great, but you're not enough. And so they have to see Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about closing the deal. I remember growing up as a kid, people talked about evangelism and sharing your, your, your testimony and telling people about Jesus and get out there. And every week I felt condemned because I'm like, I didn't lead five people to Jesus this week. I didn't check the boxes. I, didn't see, I actually heard a pastor, you've got to seal the deal. And I'm like, I am not selling a car. And the reality, they, they might not be in a place where they're ready to buy. See, but here's the thing. Gavin, I'm totally going to pick on you this morning. I'm so sorry. Come here, buddy. This is my awesome son, Gavin. And he's, he's the shy one of the bunch, too. He's like, I am never sitting in the front row ever again. If I'm going to pull you right over here. I, I know because I can move him around. Okay, just stand right there. If Gavin is here in his, in his relationship with Jesus, let's say he doesn't know the Lord, and the cross of Jesus Christ is right here in this place, and I have an encounter with, with Gavin, and we're talking, and I'm just like, man, you won't believe me. God has just done some amazing things. He provided, and, I just, and, and you're listening, and he's listening, and going, wow, that's really interesting. And I'm not preaching, because sharing your testimony is not preaching. Can I get an Amen. And we all know the difference. And if you don't know the difference, you might be the guilty party. Your testimony is a relationship thing. And I'm just saying, hey, man, this is what God did. And I walk away, and he's like, you know, there's something about that. Something about what he said. And so take a giant step this way. Has he met Jesus yet? But is he closer we're pointing people to Jesus with our testimony. And I might not be able to seal the deal, but man, I've sure led him closer to Jesus. And, and I pray that at, one t- at, at some point I get to bring him here and say, you know, and, and usually it goes like this. Man, I've been hearing you talk about Jesus, and it just sounds so cool. What do I have to do? So glad you asked. Thanks, bud. Um. So glad you asked. And then they get to lead the conversation. Instead of us pushing them into something, there are lots of religions. There are lots of ways of believing where they just want to push you in. And then they hold you there. How much better when people just engage with Jesus and say, you know, I've seen him in your life and I want some of that. Come on, let's, let's go. Does your testimony point people to Jesus? Are people closer to him because of you're in their life? 
or not. And I get to speak to us as the body of Christ. I wouldn't go out into the world and preach this message because it would have no value. It wouldn't mean anything. But to us as the church of Jesus Christ, his bride, we have to ask ourselves, am I moving people closer to Jesus through the testimony of my life or not? Or not? See, because it's more than a story. It's people's eternity. It is their very lives. The Bible says that one day we will stand before the judgment seat, the Bema seat, and we will give an account of our lives. I, I guarantee you, I believe with all my heart, that God will call into account how we shared our testimony, how we told the story of him. How do I know? Because it was important for him in the Old Testament. And it was important for him in the New Testament. And telling the story of his goodness and faithfulness has always been critical. It's always been important. No less for us today. But we have to engage with it in such a way that people see Jesus. So what do we do when people go, man, that's... And they pat us on the back and go, and, you know, again, the false humility, right? You compliment someone. I'm like, man, Richie, you're just... You're, you're so amazing, and then you meet the people who are like, no, 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 it's all Jesus. And you're like, oh, okay, you just made it weird. Joni, Joni Erickson Tata, um, amazing woman of God, written tons of books, an artist, if for those of you who don't know, broke her, broke her neck when she was a teenager, quadriplegic, um, man, has had a rough life, and yet through it, God has given her a tremendous Tremendous, tremendous testimony and tremendous ministry. And she was asked that question, what do you do when people come to you and compliment you? And she said this, and I'll close with this. Every time someone comes to me and says, wow, you're amazing. Wow, God is doing amazing. Wow, you're, you're this and you're that. She says in her mind what she pictures. Oh, this always makes me cry. That they're handing her a flower. That's what she pictures. Then she says she goes back to her room in the evening and she presents a bouquet to the Lord. Say, God, it's you. It's you. And I tell you, church, people know when it's all about you or all about him. Let the story of your life be about God. And as you do, they will see him and they will want to know him. And you will get to lead them to a place where they connect with the Heavenly Father. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. I'm going to ask this morning, I'm going to miss an opportunity. I'm going to have you bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're in this place this morning, you were invited, maybe it's your first time, maybe you've been coming for a while, and you're hearing the things I'm talking about, even getting to this place where you've made a decision for Jesus, and you're going, you know, Barry, I'm not sure I've gotten to that place. I'm not sure I've made that decision. I'm not sure if I've invited Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, asked him to save me. 
I, want, I don't want to miss an opportunity for you to be able to do that today. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to embarrass you. This is, not, this is about you and the Lord. This is about you and Jesus doing business. But if that's you and you'd like to say yes to Jesus this morning, you'd like to invite him to be a part of your story, you'd like for him to save you, redeem you, make you a new creation. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand real high? Raise it up real high and we, we can uh, just agree together. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Raise it real high. No, one, no one's looking around. I just want to make sure that I see you. In fact, if you're raising your hand, just look up. Make sure. Let's make eye contact. Anyone else? You're raising your hand? Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, I've seen two hands in this place this morning. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father God, I thank you for these two this morning who have said yes to you. Lord, your word says that there is a celebration, that there is a celebration in heaven when one of your children receives you as Lord and Savior. God, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for the testimony of this church, of this body of believers. And God, I thank you that the story's not done. Lord, that there is so much yet to be written. But God, my prayer would be this, as a church, as the pastor of this church, as the shepherd of this flock, Lord, that we would always point people back to Jesus Christ, that they would see you in us. Lord, that our impact in this community, Lord, would not be like a, a boulder being thrown in it, into, a, a, into a, a, a puddle, but Lord, that it would be like a pebble being thrown into a pond. Lord, the impact is there, but it is gentle, it is loving. God, cause us to be that kind of people. I pray that every testimony in this room would come alive, every God story. Lord, that people this week would have more opportunities than they've ever had to share the story of what you're doing in their lives. And we'll give you the glory and you the honor. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you need prayer this morning, if you want someone to agree with you in prayer for anything, if you have need for healing, if you need just need situations in your life going on, you need prayer for provision of finances, our prayer team is coming forward. They would love to pray. Would, guys, would you love to pray with people this morning? Yeah, look at that. They're, they're excited to pray with you. Come and join one of them. Pray. Let's agree that God wants to meet us and in. And, and, and supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Otherwise, have an amazing day. Enjoy the game if you watch the game, or not if you don't. Enjoy the food if you're not going to watch the game. Hug a few people on the way out. Invite someone to lunch uh, this afternoon, and we look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.